Everybody having a good morning? Yeah. All right, fantastic. Better one now? I want to thank you for that applause, but let's remember, God gets all glory and honor. I appreciate it. It makes me feel good. I'm just a simple servant. And the last time I checked, we're all called to be servants in the kingdom, right? And so I'm just one part of the body. One part of the body, and we all collectively do our work. We all collectively do the work of God to always bring glory and honor to him, not to us as individuals. And so as we get here this morning and we think about uh, the word of God, if you look on the screen behind me, I have uh, the, the title for this lesson here this morning is uh, Love in Action. Love in Action requires the proper attitude. And so this morning we're going to take a look at Paul's letter to the Galatians. We're not going to take a look at the whole letter. We're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. We're not going to look at all of the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to look at one aspect of the fruits. And that aspect is love. And that aspect is love. And then we're going to talk about how we have to put love in action. And what better time than right now when in this country, because of the continued pandemic, and in case you haven't noticed, it's not going away. It's going to be like the flu. It's going to be here every year. And every year there's going to be a new strain. And every year there's probably going to be a booster. So you know what we need to get back to doing? Living. You need to get back to doing the work of the church. We need to get back to living our lives and fellowshipping and encouraging one another and lifting each other up. Brethren, we've been on the sidelines for too long. And we need to get back out into the world. And I know there are plenty of us that are still do doing studying, plenty of us that are still sharing our faith. But we need to get back and talk to our, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who haven't been here for a while. And some of the reasons I know are legitimate reasons. But if you notice somebody uh, that normally would sit by you, that you haven't seen in a while, encourage them. There are precautions that we can take and still come together. And so, brethren, as we look at this message here this morning, love in action requires the proper attitude. If you remember what it says in Galatians chapter 5, and you look on the screen behind me, what does it say? But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Don't let it be lost on you that love is mentioned first. Do you think that was probably important? You see, because the ministry of Christ in the Christian church, the Christian faith, is a faith of love. Everything Jesus did that God has done for us begins and ends in what? In love. And everything that we likewise do to all in society should begin and end in love. How we interact with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ begins and ends in love. Love is literally the most important aspect of Christianity. Because we cannot carry out our faith or carry out the mission of the church without love. God says, how can you hate your brother whom you see and yet love me whom you have not seen? And so, brethren, we look at the scriptures here this morning. And don't let it be lost on you, like I said a moment ago, that love is mentioned first. The fruit of the Spirit in essential, essentially can be broken down into three parts. We know that when we look at it, and that's how, that's how easy for me it was to remember it, is like I break it down to three. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness. Gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. But why is it broken down in three groups of three? Well, because if you look at it, and I don't know if you've ever really focused on the fruit of the Spirit in this way, the first three fruit of the Spirit have to do with our attitude towards God. The second three have to do with our attitude towards other people. And, the, and the, the last three of the fruit of the Spirit, of the nine, have to do with our attitude towards ourselves. 
So for example, love, joy, and peace, think about it. It shows our attitude towards our creator. Patience. Do we need patience when we're dealing with other people? Are we supposed to be kind when we deal with other people? Have a spirit of goodness as we deal with other people? You see, those three go towards the world. But then you look internally. And the last three of the fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, deal with our attitude towards ourselves. Brethren, I, am, I, I personally believe that attitude is one of the most important factors of life. And it's one of the most important factors in determining uh, the direction that our lives are going to go and the fruit that we are going to bear. If you ever read any self-help books or, uh, or anything like that, or if you've ever been in sales and there's different people like Chuck Swindoll and others who write all these books and have all this good information and these good thoughts to help you, you know what I mean, to, 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 to be a better person and how to deal with the world and how to deal with various situations of life, Chuck Swindoll once said this in regards to attitude. He says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact that attitude has on life. Would you agree with that? You know, my dad, he's been going through cancer for, well, he's the third time he's fighting it, but it's been a, a, a really bad struggle for the last year. And he's, 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 he's trying to put on a happy face, but it's not going as well as we would hope it would go. But he still tries to do, he still tries to have a positive attitude. And yet most people know that when you're in those situations, attitude is everything. Attitude can cause us to be, have a happy, uh, more peaceful dis disposition, or it could cause us to, uh, to have a more negative, pessimistic outlook on life and everything around us. So how important is attitude? Chuck Swindoll said, attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past. It's more important than education, than money, than circumstances, than failure. It's more important than success. Attitude is more important than what other people think, what they say, or what they do. He went on to say attitude is more important than appearance. It's more important than giftedness. It's more important than skill. He said this, attitude will make or break a company. Attitude will make or break a church. Attitude will make or break a home. And so how many times have you heard me say, if you've ever met Christians who go out in the world and they go about their business and they're just, they're just miserable. I mean, they're just, they, they're defeated. Life isn't going this way. The world's always falling in on me. And yet, they interact with the world, and yet they, under, they don't understand why people don't want to know about their faith. Why people don't want to understand about their God. They're like, you're miserable. Why would I want to know? Why would I want to join your church? You're not a very happy, confident person. And so, brethren, is that the image? Is that the impression that we want to give the world? A, a, an impression of, of defeatism? Right? And so we think about this. And he makes a good point. Attitude will make or break a company. It'll make or break a church. It'll make or break a home. So brethren, we have a choice each and every day regarding the attitude that we're going to embrace life with. Are we going to embrace life with an attitude of fear? Or are we going to embrace life with an attitude of power? You see, because the last time I checked, uh, anybody get baptized? What did you receive when you were baptized? Gift of the Holy Spirit. You have the power of God inside of you. And did you know there's this little passage of scripture that tells us if you know not the things to pray, what happens? The Holy Spirit will cry out on your behalf when you know not the things to pray. 
And so, brethren, we look at the scriptures here this morning. We can't change the past. We cannot change the fact of how people, people are going to act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we could do is play on the one thing that we're in control of. And you know what that one thing that we're in control of is? Your attitude. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is so very important. When you break it down, you understand that the first three are towards God, the second three are towards others, the last three are towards yourself. And so, brethren, you look at the scriptures this morning. I'm convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to the various situations of life. Have you ever thought about that? I actually heard it, I heard it said one time this way. It says that, um, how did it go? Life, uh, your attitude towards life will determine life's attitude towards you. Isn't that true? I mean, have you ever really stopped and thought, of, thought about these things? Have you ever really stopped and thought about the promises of God? You see, because the promises of God are great. There's hundreds and hundreds of promises that when you read through Old and New Testament Scripture that God makes on behalf of his people. And so when you think about how life is 10% of what, uh, of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it, it's the same thing with you. I want you to stop and consider the current crisis. I want you to stop and consider COVID-19 and the virus that has spread throughout the world. It's been here for 21 months. What has your attitude been towards it? Has it been one toward of defeatism and fear? Or has it been one towards it of, uh, of just of power and strength? Knowing who you are. Because you are a child of God and the Holy Spirit of God lives with inside you. Did you know that Jesus Christ already had victory over death? The only thing that could happen to me on this planet, if I'm faithful to God, is I could lose my life. But guess what? Where am I going to go? Paradise. Heaven. How bad is that going to be? I mean, isn't that where we all just like pray? And, and just pray and hope and live that we're going to attain heaven someday? And yes, there's too many people right now who are afraid to leave their homes. Afraid to interact with people. It's time to get back to the work of the church. It's been 21 months. And we have to remember, brethren, that, that God is in control. Amen? Amen? Is the God of creation in control? I urge each of you here this morning to make sure that you completely trust in the promises of God. And as you do trust in the promises of God, I want, you to I want to tell you what the scripture doesn't say. God never promised Christians that you would never become sick. He never promised that we would be spared from heartache and pain. He never promised that we would be spared from physical death or sorrow of losing a loved one. But brothers and sisters, God has given us many precious promises. He's given us the promise of hope, of joy, of peace, of inner strength that is going to allow us to get through the hardest times that this life has to offer. Whatever life has to throw our ways, whatever happens to us each and every day, God has given us the tools through Holy Scripture in order how to deal with these things and still have a spirit of confidence. Still, still have a, peer, a spirit of peace and inner strength and comfort, knowing that Jesus Christ has already declared victory over death. Amen? And so you look at the scriptures this morning. What does it say on the screen behind me? Let's all read this out loud. I want everybody here right now. 
Here we go. For God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, fear, or weakness, but of power, love, discipline. Power, love, discipline. Is that how you go through life? How many times has fear stopped you? Not even COVID, anything. How many times has fear stopped you from doing what God wants you to do? What God has called you to do? Brethren, have the attitude that as the disciples of Christ, we will take the necessary precautions, meaning mask if you want to wear a mask, shots if you want to get a shot. But then do that and get back to service. Get back to serving the Lord. Get back to the work of the kingdom. Get back to sharing your faith. Get back to being a, dis a disciple of Jesus Christ. Beyond that, we must get back not only to the work of the church, all the while we need to remember that no matter what has happened to us physically, that's all that the world can do to us. Because if you're faithful and true in your walk with Christ, then you don't have to fear death. Didn't Paul say something to the people of Thessalonica about that? Didn't he say something about we don't have to uh, fear death like others do? Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit of God residing with us. We've already been sealed for the day of redemption. If you've went down into that baptistry, you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. What else did you get? Forgiveness of sins. 1 John chapter 1 says the blood of Christ continued to cleanse all of us as long as we walk according to the commandments of God. Not perfectly, because he knows there's none of us perfect. It actually says it in that letter. If you say you're perfect and you don't need it, then you're a liar and the truth isn't in you. Brethren, we think about the scriptures here this morning, and I just have to say, when I think about God's promises, notice this next one. God promises strength to help you. I want us all to read this one more time. Right? Let's read this next one. Ready? Here we go. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Brethren, I have you read these out this morning as a way of reminder to help, just to help to solidify it into your mind. You know why? Because fear causes doubts. Doubt causes a weak faith. And a weak faith doesn't fully trust in the promises of God. And then we just, I wonder then if sometimes if we're in, living in fear, if we don't believe God can really provide for us and the promises that he has made. You see, brethren, fear oftentimes will affect our faith. And while I respect the virus, while I respect cancer, while I respect heart disease and all the other many health ailments that affect me physically, we must all remember that Jesus has already declared victory over death. And there's nothing that this world could take from me other than my life. But the Bible says instead of fearing man, because all they can do is kill you, you should fear the one who can not only take life, but also cast you into what? To a fiery, eternal hell. So brothers and sisters, we look at the scriptures here this morning, and we think about Jesus' victory over death. It's because... We often need to remind ourselves that we are already sealed for the day of redemption. It's not a once saved, always saved type of thing, like so many false teachers teach. It's that if we walk faithfully, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. 
Why do you call me Lord? You don't even do what I ask you to do. So obedience is key to faith. And so the Apostle John tells us in 1 John, he says it in 1 John 5 and 13, I don't have a slide for this, but he says, I am writing these things to you, so what? So you may know you have salvation. They didn't have to guess and wonder, were, were any of them in some per peculiar situations? Did they have to flee homes, flee villages? Were they being attacked? Were they being imprisoned? Were they being killed and martyred for their faith? And yet they continue to march on. Why? Because they had a commission. Because they fully trusted in the promises of God. They knew who they were. They knew where their eternal destination was going to be. And so, what's the worst they can do? I'm going to continue on, and all they can do is take my life. But then I'll spend eternity with my master, with my God in heaven. Brothers and sisters, that is what we have to understand. That is what we have to remember as Christians. Christians should have an attitude of confidence, not of fear. And we could use this during this time of COVID crisis. We could use this in all crises of life, no matter what they are or where they come from, because being a child of God gives us inner strength and gives us confidence that nothing else in this world can afford us. And so let's transition now from attitude unto love. In the New Testament, God reveals himself to us through, the son, uh, through, the, through his son, through Jesus Christ. And God became flesh and bone in what? He dwelt among us. And after Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension, man wasn't left with this, uh, this empty feeling or this void. No, as Christians, as I said multiple times, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is working in each and every one of us as we transform our minds with the Word of God. He's working in us through the Word to do what? To become like Christ. To have the mind of Christ. So we can be true representatives to the world of what Christ looks like. Rather than the only hindrance to the Holy Spirit producing faithful Christians is man himself. If we don't make it to heaven... You can't blame God. If you don't make it to heaven, who's the only person you can blame? You can't blame your parents. You can't blame your spouse. You can't blame your children. You can't blame anything. Because each and every one of us, it tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, that we will all stand before a loving and holy and righteous God and give an account of our lives for everything we've ever did, whether good or bad. Is anything you do in secret... How can we ever think, how can we ever be so delusional to think that what we do is in secret and nobody knows when the Spirit of God actually resides within you? How many times have you forgot about that? There's always somebody watching. How far did Jonah get? Was Jonah able to escape God? God says, I need you to go to Tarsus. Or no, not Tarsus, I need you to go to the Ninevites. And he, did, he went to the complete opposite direction. He was planning on going to the opposite side of the world. Who found him? God. Why? He knows all things. How far can we run? How fast can we run from God? We can't. And so, brethren, we need to give in to the word. We need to give in through living a faithful uh, life, a life of obedience. Like I said, the only hindrance to our Christian faith is ourselves. So let's look at now some of the things that before we shut this down. Man, time has gone fast. I'm only halfway done. 
I might have to skip a few pages. But as we look at my notes, as I look at my notes, love is the foundation of the Christian life. How do I know that? Because 1 John 4 and 16 says what? It says God is love. A great question to ask yourself is, how do I know when I'm bearing fruits? When you are bearing fruits, we will love God with the first love. We will love the things of God. We will love the people of God. How do we know that we're loving God with the first love? And I, I would also ask this question. Do you understand what I mean when I say first love? Who here uh, remembers their first love? Anybody have a first love? There's a lot of spouses here, so I would hope somebody had a first love. <laughs> Even if your spouse wasn't your first love, if you remember and you go back, and a lot of times our first love was what? High school maybe, right? And yet, was there anything you wouldn't do for your first love? You looked past the flaws. You looked past the weaknesses. You looked past what everybody else saw, but you couldn't see because you were blinded with love, and you just loved them unconditionally, and you would have done anything for them, right? That's the love that God wants you to have for him. He wants you to love him with the first love. And brethren, I know this because... You see, the Apostle John, after the Gospel of John, he wrote this little book called Revelation. In Revelation, in chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, You have forsaken your first love. He wrote that to the church of Ephesus. And the church of Ephesus was known to be a hardworking, steadfast, righteous church. But they got to the point to where they were just going through the motions. How many times have you ever evaluated your faith and realized you're just going through the motions? You see, they were faithful, but they were just going through the motions. Does God just want Christians who just go through the motions? No. Remember when Jesus said in chapter 3 of Revelation, when he told John, he said, I wish you were hot, meaning Christians, or I wish you were cold, meaning I want you on fire for me, or I'd rather have you just reject me. But if you're lukewarm, he says what? You make me sick. That's probably not going to be a good conversation. If you're before God in judgment, he says, you make me sick. I don't even know who you are. That's not going to go the way you want it to go. And so, brethren, if we are truly bearing fruit of love, we will love God passionately with the first type of love. And, brothers and sisters, if we are bearing the first type of love, we will love what God loves. And as we, be, as we transform our minds, as we become more like Christ, to begin to take on the mindset of Christ, it all begins and ends with what? Attitude. Love all begins and ends with attitude. If we have the mindset of Christ, we can have the attitude of Christ. That's, that's how we can love sacrificially. Brethren, remember the many times. How many times? Let me give you another example of this. When we think about love, we also have to think about our children. We have to think about those who we influence. Why? Because how many times, if we have children, how many times do they grow up to, to really love and like a lot of the things that we love and like? Anybody here a sports fan? And if you're, if you're just a diehard sports fan, isn't there a high, a high likelihood that your children are probably going to grow up to be a pretty good sports fan? Right? They're probably going to love the same teams that you love. They might even have the same fervor for them. But you know what? If you take that mindset and you apply it to the church, you apply it to your faith, do your children see you loving God with the first love? And do you apply that first type of love to your, to your worship of God, 
to making sure you're, stu- you're, you're attending every time the doors are open for Bible study and Christian fellowship? Do they see you making Jesus a priority of your life? Anybody here prioritize watching the game last night? I know Patrick didn't. He had other plans. Right? Did anybody else prioritize watching the game last night? I wonder how often we take that same mindset in to all aspects of our faith. Do your children see that God is important to you? That they, they look at you and they see somebody who has a, a, just an unbelievable first love for God and it becomes infectious. And they start to do the things that you do. And they start to have the faith that you have. Brethren, first love Christians. Love what God loves. That includes his people. And that includes loving the unlovable. Are we called to unlove the unlovable? Didn't Jesus say something about loving your enemies? I would say that's loving the unlovable. But he didn't say just cast them to the side, forget about them. No, he said love them anyways. Why? Because hopefully the word of God will prick a heart. Hopefully the word of God will then, that a seed can be planted. Hopefully they'll see your life. Because remember what I said so many weeks ago? You may be the only Bible somebody ever reads. If they see your faith being lived out, brethren, eventually they're going to start to ask questions. They're going to want to know why you believe so wholeheartedly as you do. They want to know where that first love comes from. And you'll have an opportunity to teach them about your Jesus. Brethren, uh, I'm going to shut this down because... I'm about out of time, and there's a lot more that I wanted to say about this, but I think I pretty much covered this topic. Love and action. Love and action is very important. And as we think about love and action, I want you to just remember one last passage, okay? And if you look at one last passage, I'm going to go to this one. This is the one that Randy read uh, for uh, the, 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 the Bible reading this morning. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and and abides by it, remember obedience I talked about? And abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man is what? Blessed in all that he does. So are you living out your faith? Do you have that fervent, passionate love for God? And so, brethren, if you're not a child of God and you're here this morning and you wish to become a child of God, then, brethren, you have an opportunity right now You can come forward. As we offer this invitation, you can come forward and say, I want to confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior because I believe what the Bible teaches. I believe that he's the Son of God and that I believe that baptism is for the remission of my sins. I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and that God himself will add you to the kingdom. But maybe you're already a Christian and you're here this morning, but you're struggling. Anybody ever struggle? I've struggled in my faith. I know lots of ministers who've struggled from time to time. Rush, you ever struggle? You see, brethren, we all struggle from various times. Guess who else struggles? Elders. Everybody in the church struggles from time to time, you see, because life is difficult. But we turn, we return back, and we go back, and we look at the promises. And we remind ourselves why we do what we do and why we live the way we live. And so maybe you're struggling. You have an opportunity to come forward and ask the church for prayer. Not just prayer, but also for their help for their encouragement, for their guidance. And that's what we'll do because we're a family at Lincoln Park. So brethren, if that is you, come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.